Why do I even look in the troll room? Screw you guys. Welcome to episode 107 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, November 2nd, 2020. I'm Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where murders are only up 51% for 2020. We can do better. And from America's left coast, where we will not be reminding you to vote tomorrow. I'm Ryan Bimrose. Oh, there's an election tomorrow. I don't know. Hasn't everybody voted already? I don't multiple times, I'm sure, but only the dead ones. I feel the orange wave coming in. I I'm trying to avoid every kind of wave. I actually <laughs> I, I I had reservations about doing this show today simply because I've kind of shut off social media for the last four days. I'm pulling the the CSB route. Just I I, I can't take it. I unfortunately, of course, I have to sign on to research a show. I have to sign on because, of course, I'm addicted. But only no agenda social, which uh, normally pretty good. But my God, even an orange wave is crashing over that. And it kind of sickens me. And if people want to get involved at no agenda social, we recommend it much, much, much more than Twitter. Go to grumpy Look in that right hand sidebar. There is a link you can go. That's your invite. You're in. Just click that little link. You are in just because you're a grumpy old Ben's listener. Hey, another benefit of listenership but we weren't sure if we were going to be doing a live grumpy old bends today but because of covid the hospital my mom's having her cancer surgery today she was in good yeah, spirits now, i i need to know from the trolls in the troll room what i heard last week when we did the show was you saying that you were going to care about your mom and you were going to be gone for the show and that i would be on my own or we wouldn't have a show and so i set everything up to have a co-host come in and was going to do a show myself with Bemlet, who, well, by the way, really we have then. experts. We we have experts who were clamoring for more Bemlet, and I was trying <laughs> to deliver to our experts. And then you decided at the last moment that you don't love your mom. And I, I just want to know from the troll room, did anybody else get that Darren wasn't going to be here? I said, and the troll room will back me up on this, that there was a chance and a decent chance that I wasn't going to be here. But I didn't know. And that was the I didn't want to promise that, yes, we're going to be doing a show and then something changed. But yes, because of the new covid restrictions where like when my mom had her bypass, I was able to go in and sit in the little room with my dad as we waited for the doctor to come out and tell us how everything went. But now due to covid, only one person can go in. So congratulations, covid and the testing scam that is going on. Covid's real. The testing, however, is uh, is interestingly is, screwed up, which is funny because uh, I, I my my first article actually is uh, is about the CDC from CDC.gov. They have canceled the flu season. Isn't that amazing? Didn't we talk about that in the last grumpy old Ben's that the flu has disappeared? Well, the flu has disappeared. But what and what I found was and this again via no agenda social, um, the newsletter the CDC puts out a newsletter of uh, here is how scared you should be of various diseases. And the one for the flu 
uh, had this gem in it. It says it, it lists in the geographic spread section for the flu. It says because of the ongoing COVID nineteen pandemic, this system will suspend data collection for the 2020-2021 influenza season. The CDC is not collecting information on the flu this year, which means <laughs> flu season is canceled. Wow. So when they do a COVID test, I mean, I guess they, that's not the same test for the flu. They're not doing both tests when they're trying to figure out what people have. I'm, I don't get okay, this part. Let, let, let's be perfectly clear. Okay. PCR, uh, no agenda. They keep pointing out on no agenda that PCR is not a test. There is no test for the flu. The test that we have used for a very, very long time is who is getting symptoms and who is getting treated. But there was um, actually a test. There was a test that was a net ned. Somebody had one last year and they, they there is a test that will confirm that you have the flu, except nobody ever gets it because it's not really a bad enough disease to worry about to have a test. Neither is covid for most people. Correct. Well, OK. Uh, even the common cold or the flu will really fuck you up if you've got seven comorbidities. Yeah. Saying for most people. It's, oh, there's another one. Another uh, comorbidity. You just you just got one or, uh... you know, that's quite possible. No, <laughs> um, I I started two days ago uh, counting gunshots in my city. And uh, I think I added at 27 yesterday. And I just heard the first one today through my headphones. And through the the sealed window, so wow, what's going not, on? Not I mean, are there are there literally what's riots? going on? Is th- what's going on is this sleepy Seattle suburb that I'm living in is not the same place that I moved in 15 years ago. Wow, that, really? So twenty something gunshots over how many days now? Oh, that was just yesterday. Wow, damn, I, that's uh, and, and it, it is theoretically possible that a lot of people are shooting up fireworks, but when when I hear you know, a, a low boom, and then uh, about two seconds later, bam, 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 and then another fifteen seconds later, and then one. I'm like, that doesn't sound like a fireworks pattern. No, no. Are you like underground? I hope now in a bunker. Are you safe? No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm still overlooking the valley. So where you know, I'm stray bullet magnet here. Anyways, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, like I said, murder up fifty one percent in Chicago so far. In 2020, I think we can do better by the time the end of the year rolls around. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah, well, be- we're we're still not Chicago because uh, everybody has to stop briefly for their soy lattes. But uh, yeah, Seattle is has turned into a total shithole. Like people don't even go to downtown Seattle anymore. There was a local story that that uh, downtown Seattle businesses, even the ones that have decided to stay open because they're not afraid of the the right. I mean, the, the peaceful protesters, right? Um, are reporting that they have lost like 75% business because there is no foot traffic downtown anymore. Yeah, but the media is telling us that's not true. Everything's fine. This is all overblown. They were just mainly a bunch of nice kids out holding signs having a peaceful march. Yeah, yeah. We we also, we lost our last Walgreens in downtown or in uh, the market district of Seattle. We even, okay, if, we, if even Walgreens is pulling out, things are bad. <laughs> well, uh, Walgreens, I, I think I reported this on a previous show. Walgreens has a policy where they no longer or they their employees are not allowed to intervene when somebody comes in and, and effectively commits a crime in the store. Right. Shoplifting. Um, yeah. Shoplifting was the big one. And they're not allowed to intervene, which means that people were just walking out with backpacks full of stuff like they'd walk in in front of the dude working there 
and just start, you know, grab their arm and start shoveling an entire shelf into a backpack and then walk out with it. And I mean, what can you do? Corporate has told you you do not intervene. Okay, well, then we got nothing to sell. Well, and then you could just as a criminal, you could just walk in, take whatever you want, smile and wave as you uh, as you walk out. But you know what? I'm not going to be disappointed about it all. I mean, I don't know if the microphone picked up, you know, the phone ringing in the other room. Washington, D.C. These are the calls that have been nonstop. The political calls. My God, man. What good do these things actually do? My fucking phone has been ringing with political calls nonstop, but that's all spam. Yeah, well, it is. It is all spam. And uh, when it comes to the COVID, the interesting thing is with my mom having her surgery today, she had to have a COVID test on Saturday, which they do drive through at the hospital where she's having her surgery, which is a different one than where she had her bypass. This is the one in Oak Lawn on the south side of Chicago. Where all the gunshot victims and stuff, well, that's where they all wind up. I mean, this is the the major trauma center on the south side of Chicago. So, I mean, this is the hospital that's set up for all that kind of stuff. But when my mom went to get her COVID test drive through, no lines, nobody waiting. I'm like, where's where's all the people? Where's all the people getting uh, all these positive tests? They're all sick at home with their lack of symptoms. And not going to get tested either because there's uh, no well, line of people getting tests. I, 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 I'm okay with that. Maybe the pandemic of cases will start to subside. <laughs> well, yeah, because when you look at the stats and you're a guy, you're, you, got, you actually have a degree in mathematics. You can look at these stats and see when you look at a graph, when they're showing rather that, you know, the graphs that are the most nefarious and a normal person never picks up on it because they have no idea about any of this stuff. But the graphs that are nefarious are the ones that just keep adding deaths because they just keep going up no matter what. There's always more deaths, always more people dying. Nobody comes back to life and makes that go down the other way. But when you look at deaths per day or deaths per week, you see that number has gone down from the peak and stabilized. But because of all of these new tests positive or these positive tests or whatever they're you know calling these things that they're saying oh my god the deaths are going to follow but not for like four to eight weeks though so uh, it used to be two weeks i know two weeks to flatten the curve well it was not only that but the whole reason for you know what you remember early on when the worst thing that our government was doing was saying you know every time you go to a new place you have to spend two weeks in a fucking hotel because we think that the virus lasts that long in your system before you show any symptoms and then people would, you know, disrupt their lives and ruin their vacation for two weeks and and then still never show any symptoms. Well, in the again, the nefarious part about this is people there was CNN was just going after the guy in the Trump administration, you know, the doctor, which was like, yeah, we're not going to be able to contain this. We're going to count on a medication and uh, the uh, the the vaccination. That's the plan we're relying on. And they're like, oh, how can they just that they're, they're, they're giving up? It's like, has anybody been able to stop the common cold or the flu? How do you think this is going to stop? And there was an article, I think it was from the New York well, Post. Obviously, Bill Gates is going to save us all. He is. Bill Gates is going to save us. The New York Post had an article which was even the contact tracers at this point are like, we, we can't do it. We've given up. That's too much. You can't follow, especially when you're going by positive cases. Knowing yeah. that, that these cases are what, like 10 times, I'm guessing conservatively, giving 10 times the number of false positives that they should. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, I predicted that when they first started this entire, oh, we can just keep track of everybody you have any contact with. I'm like, do you even have any concept of how many individual interactions exist on this planet in a given day? Lots. Uh, yeah. Uh, and people encounter other people. I mean, not so much this year because we're all under house arrest, but uh, still. Yeah. But and then. And then uh, the, we, we have you know, super spreader events like, you know, Trump with tens of thousands of people all packed in together and Biden with, you know, tens of people in <laughs> six foot circles. I don't know if there are tens of people. I mean, maybe 10 people at a Biden rally. <laughs> maybe. Actually, there are a hell of a lot of people at a Biden rally, but most of them are in F-150s and, <laughs> and flying Trump flags. You know, Did you see those videos. Yes. Holy fuck. That okay, was first of all uh, great, hilarious. <laughs> yes, yes. And but I, I mean, okay, I, I do have to come down, and it. it I know everybody who listens to this show seems to believe that I am an unrepentant Trump supporter, and that makes me evil. But and of course, no. There are know, there are so wrong, many things that make but, you evil. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I don't need that <laughs> one, but um. Okay, first of all, harassing the Biden bus with a train of F-150s, funniest shit. And also, that is exactly the same tactics as BLM, where you're causing harm and inconvenience to people who just want to be left alone. And that is fucking wrong. Uh, Apparently, and and I know Biden wasn't even there, but apparently some giant cavalcade of of Trump trucks uh, shut down the New Jersey Turnpike. And uh, you, you know what? The New Jersey Turnpike doesn't need your help to get fucking gridlocked. Stop it. What the hell? Well, it's interesting because it is a hypocrisy with the spotlight on it, because Joe Biden was at one of these things where it was a drive in thing and a bunch of people were honking their horns and they were obviously Trump fanatics. And he was like, oh, yeah, these ugly, rude Trump people. And it's like, Joe. You're the party of resist, resist, resist for the last four years. You can't say that now you're surprised that the other side is using your tactics. Yeah. I, you, you know, you, what you do when you do shit like that is you lose the moral high ground. And that is uh, that is not a small step that it's it's not something that should be taken lightly. And I don't think that it was necessary to take. But at the same time, uh, the. The clearly leftist tactics of uh, completely disrupt the lives of people who don't even have a dog in this fight and silence is violence. And if you're not uh, with us, you're against us. I mean, that that has all been platitudes that those of us who got a real education and, and had people teaching us about life learned a long time ago are are awful, awful justifications for anything. Um the tactics seem to be working and don't be so fucking surprised when the other side starts using it against you. Uh, of course, the mainstream media are losing their minds going. This is a complete breach of protocol as if they haven't been calling riots peaceful for the last 10 months. Right. But- I mean, we saw the video of what was going on in all of these cities, Portland in uh, Seattle in, uh, of course, Philadelphia. And that was all just reasonable, rational people that were protesting they weren't riots and they weren't looting but a bunch of guys and a pickup trucks go down the expressway driving next to and in front of them behind a bus well that was a terrorist attack i mean it's hilarious because they're like well no, it's not a terrorist attack it is however a bunch of douchebags because some people need to use that freeway to commute 
Well, I mean, not the ones that were just following the bus. This was the one in Texas, not the one. I mean, if they were stopping okay. somewhere, that's a different thing. And yeah, uh, blocking is just I don't understand that. But when you're going to drive next to the Biden bus and honk and fly your Trump flags, the greatest thing was it was in Texas. And these people can now know what the Biden campaign's all about because they got so afraid of people in pickup trucks with guns that they got the hell out of Texas. And well, and, and it's not like uh, it, it's Texas. They they should have ha- understood what it would be like. I, I they, it, they were so afraid that they canceled their stop in the one place in Texas. They might have been welcomed. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, it's it's sad. It is sad because I miss the times when the president, no matter who they were, the concept was respect the office. You did not you didn't have to vote for him. But once the president's elected, he's your president. I mean, unless you hate your country, and I think a lot of the people on the left do, then you want the president yeah. to succeed. Well, no, but the United States isn't their country. It's China. Right. That's true. Once Trump was elected president, isn't it amazing how quickly that switch goes in some people's mind where I think a normal, rational person, and I think I'm rational normally, that when Obama well, wait, was elected. Why don't you bring any of that to the show? I don't know. It wouldn't be any fun. But when Obama got elected, I didn't like his policies, but I wasn't yelling resist. I wasn't saying he wasn't my president. I was hoping that the guy would do things that were good for the country. Oh, boy, weren't you disappointed? (laughs) I was. I was. As we watched the uh, well, spending got out of control, although Trump didn't do anything to fix that out of control. Foreign wars got out of control. Yes. Uh, Domestic spending went crazy. Uh, You know, uh, the the programs where the government managed to nationalize a lot of things. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was the first steps towards socialism. It was the one thing Trump did really well was like, well, hey, if we have these resources when it comes to drilling and getting energy, why not use it? Because it makes more sense from every aspect that makes more sense. And when you stop, when you shut all this stuff down, like the Obama administration did, you make the United States more reliant on other countries. It really all goes down the same list of things, which take you right to the same place, which is to a no one nations, world government. No borders. Yeah. yeah. No nations, no borders. Well, that's what Kamala is pushing again right now. It's like, yeah. this is insanity. And, and if, if you want to know the, the crux of the argument against, uh, you know, one world government sort of thing, it is just look at every single time that anybody who supposedly represents you instead goes out and acts on behalf of of some special interest or uh, a campaign donor or or anybody other than the people that they represent and realize that uh, once you concentrate all the power in someone, uh, you are, first of all, inviting only the most corrupt people to be there. and. Secondly, you are creating a huge target for people like giant corporations, people like foreign actors uh, to be able to turn a single person. If, if you have one person with all of the power, all you have to do is turn that person and now they're not working for you. But if instead you decentralize and you have 100 people with each 1% of the power, then it becomes 100 times harder to make the government not work for the people, which is kind of the crux of my argument that uh, government should always be as local as it can be to get anything done. 
And I personally take that all the way down to the individual, but it doesn't take much. You don't have to follow me all the way down my garden path of utopia where people stop fucking around in my life in order to determine that maybe putting all of the power in the world in Brussels or or in the UN or somewhere might not be the greatest idea in terms of corruption. Well, now, and if we want to make a comparison here between all of the people on the left who are saying Donald Trump didn't do enough when it came to COVID. Well, the only way to control COVID is to control the people, to keep them from moving around. This would include keeping people from crossing the borders. But Uh, interestingly, that also destroys your primary weapon against a virus like COVID, which is everybody's immune system. Yeah, but I mean, again, if you're using logic here, if you think everybody's just going to get through it and uh, you know go to a herd immunity, that may happen. It may not. Don't know. But when you're well, talking about things like, oh, my God, Trump's xenophobic. He won't let people cross the borders. It's like, but then you're like, well, he's not doing enough to control the virus. Well, the virus is spread yeah. from person to person. So you have to I control what, people. The, it doesn't matter the, whether the, they're people here legally or not. You have to control the people. So why can the president? Why do you think he can control the people who are here legally? When he can't control anybody coming into the country illegally. I don't know. The the virus was pretty damn well controlled with with those kids in Kate in the Obama cages down at the border. No, I thought they spread in those cages. I Is that how cages work? I thought the cages were at least six feet apart. No, I don't think they were. I think they put multiple people <laughs> in each cage. OK, I, I you know what? If you've been there, I'm fine. I, I haven't actually been there. Um, Would you totally- like to be? Can somebody build a cage? You know, it, for it, it wouldn't be that significantly different than what uh, Mr. Epping Inslee is doing here. Did <laughs> you have? Is he just like putting cages in all your backyards? And they're like, here you go, get in the cage. And, and, and you know, I, I, I have heard. I know. I don't. Don't bring it to me again. I've heard the argument. Oh well, Inslee's not as bad as some other governors. Yeah, we're not quite California, and Inslee has not declared like. We don't have a mask mandate outside, for example, and I'm happy for that. But that just because other places are worse. I mean, we're not we're not Victoria, Australia. And yes, I'm glad. And I do feel for those people. And I think that they all need to grab the guns that they gave up years ago and go fucking storm the capital and get rid of that premier. By force, if necessary, because that guy is a goddamn fascist. He he is, but it, it, just because it's worse elsewhere does not mean it's not bad here. I guess is what I'm saying. Well, now in your little area there, I mean, is there any Trump support whatsoever? Because as you said, we've seen there's been Trump support in New Jersey uh, and New York. There's been Trump support in California. There's some Trump support in some very very blue places, but I'm guessing not maybe in I Seattle. Did. I did, in fact, see somebody wearing a MAGA hat on the street going into a grocery store. Brave person. I know. I kind of <laughs> gave him, I like, you know, gave him the, uh, well, I was going to say thumbs up, but I guess that's a racist sign now. Is it? Which I guess, which I guess to everybody else in the street, they're like, yep, two Trump supporters, racist sign. We get it. <laughs> Were you both white? Uh, I, I try not to remember these things, okay. but probably because actually, you know what? I'll tell you what, um, if there's, one thing Seattle has fewer of than Republicans, it's black people. Nice. Well, see, you must be a racist state then. They need to fix that. It's 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 amazing how the 
absolute most virtue signaling, self-hating white enclaves in the country are the ones where they don't have any dark skinned people around. So they're very segregated. Yeah, it's um, I mean, there's uh, there's like Rainier Valley in Seattle that has uh, a, a 10, 15 percent black population. And it's just that one neighborhood. But everywhere else in Seattle, uh, the, the, the black person is like a unicorn. They really, really very few of them. <laughs> of course, that makes so much more sense. I mean, that just shows they're not in touch with the reality of the situation. The media is covering this in a weird way. I do think that from everything I can see, and granted, this is nothing that is a scientific in any way, shape, or form, but from everything I'm seeing, I think Trump is going to get a larger amount of the black vote than any Republican president has in the last hundred years. Just a guess. But I think that there is movement in that direction. And it's an interesting thing to watch because eventually, if you're a part of the black community and you're relying on the government to do things for you, which you shouldn't, but maybe you're finally realizing that, uh, you know, both sides suck and maybe the Republican side isn't as bad as you've been told because Trump seems to have been willing at least to sit down with people like Ice Cube and other rappers, Little Wayne and Kanye and giving them a voice. I don't remember any. I mean, when's the last time was Obama hanging out with a bunch of rappers asking him what needed to be done to help with the black community? (laughs) No, only only person Obama was asking what needed to be done was bankers and insurance companies. Yeah. Funny, huh? Yeah. And maybe that lie uh, is finally getting shown for what it is. Because there's one know, thing. We I, know, yeah, I don't know. I Everybody wants to make Trump out to be a douchebag, but he actually seems to be a guy that cares, which maybe is his biggest problem. I mean, he's well, a he, he can be a douchebag who cares because, frankly, you know, interpersonally, he is kind of a dick. Yeah. He'd, he'd I don't fit know in. if you picked up on that. He'd fit in really well on this show. That's all I'm thinking. <laughs> I think he probably would. Um, I mean, for one thing, he's the most sarcastic president that I've seen in my lifetime. Yes. And he hasn't uh, it, toned it down. My entire life, I I have kind of railed against all of the, you know, if, if there's one thing that I don't respect, at least in terms of their politics, it is people who will adhere precisely to one party and heap all of their hatred in the world on the other party and have nothing but love for their chosen party. And you just know that those people are not paying any attention. And for a long time, uh, I I was that guy who's like, you know, uh, politicians on both sides suck and uh, the arguments on both sides have some valid points. And, you know, nowadays you go out on social media and everybody's going to be like using that mixed caps font that's infuriating and be like, oh, both sides are bad. You know, and, and they I mean, you know, they ridicule you because that that's kind of what people do on the Internet is is they ridicule anything they don't like. Um, but <laughs> I. <laughs> well, it is. And that's what the both- social media has turned it to because of the short attention span. And I mean, think when the Internet first started, when people were publishing uh, were message boards where where people were trading messages back and forth where you could write as long as you wanted. 
there were some decent conversations going on. That stopped now because you're limited to, you know, 140 or 280 characters in most places, even something like yeah. the, uh, Mastodon. the 500 on no agenda social. I, I actually find to be very confining. It is. Although I'm a wordy fuck. Yes. Yes. Um, I, I actually got called out on no agenda social in, in exactly that way for being one of those people who shouts my freedoms. I'm like, yeah, that's that's a great way to ridicule and belittle people who actually care about not having their rights taken away. But did it occur to you that the reason that they care is because this is important? Right. But anyway, I yeah, I I don't even remember what I was saying. I kind of lost my train of thought, but I, I had a really, really good point. So just assume that I made one. You made the point. Everybody in the troll room applauded and said you were the best damn Bemrose you can be. Um, I will tell you, though, you asked me, uh, are there any uh, Trump supporters here in in the Seattle area? Um, not visibly. Uh, you, you really don't even see any Trump signs in yards anymore, although there are places where there's like two metal sticks coming out of the yard and a tire track across <laughs> it. So those might have been Trump signs once. Most likely. Um, yeah. But. Washington state is, is divided in just about every way between left and right. The left half of the state is the half next to the Pacific ocean. And the right half of the state is the part that's near the Rocky mountains. And there is a a large mountain range in the middle, which is really, I mean, that is honestly a very solid dividing line. Uh, The cascade mountains, which I, I mean, nobody builds anything on the mountain. So everything is to the left or the right of it. And the, Left side of the state includes Seattle and includes uh, Portland, although they don't think they're in Washington. They they might as well be. Um, it includes uh, Vancouver, uh, whichever one you want. Uh, it, it, it's all of the cities that are want to be California so desperately. And the right half of the state, um, the east side, uh, includes Spokane and uh, you know, Pasco, Kennewick, Richland, you probably don't know where all these things are, but those are where you find Republicans. They only exist in the right half of the state Uh, in, in almost every way, in almost every way, this state should be divided by the mountains and it should be two states because there is, there there is a, uh, a geographic divide. There's a cultural divide. There is a religious divide. There's political divide. And on, I, I live unfortunately on the left half of that. And anybody who does support trump on the left side is keeping to their fucking selves and i think i don't have to explain why no because of the social justice warrior mobs because of violence i mean let's literally come to violence i mean this four years ago it was like this was something that was just being warned that hey things are getting a little out of control we could get to this point well we're there we are at the point now where people are being attacked for wearing mega hats or shirts or whatever and it makes sense where the people are going to be a little bit more quiet in certain areas of the country. But you look at the amount of people that Trump brings out to these rallies and then the number of people that show up at the Biden ones. I'm thinking that the silent majority is going to show up in the results of the election tomorrow. And if that happens, oh, I, my I hate the God. term silent majority almost as much as I agree with that point. Yes. Well, I do. I hate that because I it's sad that you're living in a country that should have that because, I mean, you say that Washington should be split into two states. 
Well, the country at this point should almost be split into two completely different. Uh, yeah. Two different countries. But yeah, they- like all, all the parts that are right on the oceans uh, and are, are consistently blue at every map. We can just jettison those into the oceans and then we can have a real country in the middle. Right. Kind of. That would kind of that would. I mean, when you look at the when you look at the way people vote and you compare the population of the people to the landmass. Well, the conservative people has the landmass by like 90 to 10. You well, know? Yeah, but land doesn't vote. No, I know. I know it doesn't. But it's an interesting thing to to kind of look at and go for these people on the left. And I've heard a bunch of them, including a buddy and Julie Miller, who are country singer songwriters. They just released an album under lockdown, which was just the most hateful thing against Trump. And I sat there listening to it and I'm like, this is this is full Trump derangement syndrome that they don't believe there's any way that anybody in the country doesn't agree with what they're saying, that Trump is an evil person, that he's horrible. And, you know, we we know all all the stuff that they say about him. But the fact that, uh, you know, half the country at least disagrees with them is a foreign concept to them. It's like they can't even comprehend that there are other people. You're seeing some people who aren't. That's easy because they don't personally know anybody who disagrees with them. That may be. But this is interesting when you're seeing some people who are, you know, not completely, uh, you know, whack jobs saying stuff like, well, you know, Keith Olbermann, although I I do consider him a complete and utter whack job, job. (laughs) saying stuff like, well, the people that voted for Trump, I mean, they're going to have to be held accountable. It's like, really? This is the country we're getting into? And you don't think that's a whack job? No, I do. He he is. But I'm saying there are other people who are less whack job than him saying similar things. Not after they say that. (laughs) That's true. That is true. I think that is jumping the shark mentality when you're like, yeah, you know, those people that voted for Trump, we may have to just uh, round them up and put them into a camp. It's pretty much all just a variation on the the kill those who disagree with me theme, which frankly is kind of the core ideology of cancel culture. Yeah. But are, they're the ones that don't want guns. So the other side is kind of uh, at an advantage. Here, I, maybe. I don't know if, if if my ears are any indication or or the numbers well, from gun shops yes. around here right now. I forgot left where we or started. Right, everybody's arming themselves. Yeah, I forgot where we started the show that there's gunshots basically flying over your head as you do the show. They're in peaceful Seattle. Yeah, the Seattle area. <laughs> fuck this place yeah yeah you need to get out i mean larry wants to get out of california you want to get out of that area i mean i'd like to get out of chicago i mean it's it's hard you know i understand it's a big move although i mean i think we could just jump over the border to indiana like maybe 50 miles away or less and have a much more sane uh and fiscally responsible state which is also a plus the closest border to chicago is is uh wisconsin and i heard that that was safe too wasn't it I don't know. No, but that's what I mean. We're on the south side, though. So it's, I mean, we, it would take me a couple of two and a half yeah. hours to get to Wisconsin. I can be in Indiana in like 20 minutes. Yeah. Boom. Well, you know, I could be in. Uh, wait. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, West Coast states. It's two and a half hours just to get to the next city. <laughs> and none it, of them are I'm, any better. There's no like. I, uh, in fact, I'm, I'm usually about two hours away from downtown Seattle, and that's only 30 miles away. Well, you need a helicopter. You need well, to get- we, we used to have a train and buses that that was like my technique was always if I had to be in downtown Seattle for anything, then I would not drive because the traffic was awful. 
Yeah, and for one thing, um, this year traffic has been so much nicer. It, I mean, you can make that thirty miles in in sixty minutes instead of ninety these days. Um, but my technique has always been the bus because then I might be stuck in traffic, but at least I can pull out a book or a Kindle or a laptop or something. <laughs> I thought you were going tubing um, there for a minute. I I can pull that out too, as long as the nobody sees me. Um, which admittedly, very few people are on this bus. Well, now the, I mean, bus ridership is almost nil these days. Um, however, I will not get on a bus until the fucking face diaper mandate is is lifted. I just, I you know, everybody has their line, and I, I I hate to say it, and I'm taking a lot of flack from everybody. Oh, why don't you just do it? But I am not going to walk around in a goddamn diaper on my face. That is my line. That is the point where there. There is no scientific evidence to back up that they work. There is lots of evidence that everybody is learning as they get more and more bacterial diseases of the face that masks have problems. And there's no fucking pandemic that they would be protecting in if they even protected against a virus. Right. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. The only time I wear masks is when I go in for a doctor appointment, because there I'll give them the benefit of the doubt anywhere else. No, I just don't go. I, there. I, well, you, you know that I've had a series of, of appointments with a doctor uh, recently. I have not worn a mask for any of them. Well, they have to get into yeah. your mouth though. So I, yeah. I agree with well, you there. <laughs> I mean, yes, but, but every single time I go in the, the receptionist is like, do you have a mask, sir? I'm like, nope. And she hands me one and I just fucking, I walk away with it in my hand and I put it down on the table on the other side of the lobby. I'm not even fucking putting it on because she wants me to put on a mask for the 60 seconds that I am sitting in the lobby before they call me back. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, it just makes no sense, but I, I mean, I get it that, uh, the, uh, they want to take everything as seriously as they can. They want to do everything they can to keep everybody safe. But when you're dealing with, you know, a dental appointment and the fact that, you're the only one in there and you're going to have to open your mouth anyway. Um, pretty sure uh, there's only so much that can be done. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm willing to do dental stuff. I, I desperately need uh, my, my normal eye appointment because uh, my, my vision is going in my old age, but I'm not, you know, I, I've been asked, uh, you know, I'm, you, do you need to come in? I'm like, I really, really don't. Not until this whole shit is over. It, and you know that's that's one of the things contributing to a, a real health crisis in this country is that I'm not alone. There are a lot of people going. I need to see a doctor about something, but there's so much extra bullshit going on that you know what? I'll just wait. Yeah. Um. I had I had my 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 GP. I have a a, a maintenance medicine for for gout that i have to take and uh, i ran out of it and uh, yeah, i ran out of refills and i called up the pharmacy said uh you know give me a refill they're like you don't have any refills and i said okay well uh then can you call the doctor because the pharmacy will do that so they right. call and then i get a call from the doctor later that day uh hey so we noticed that it's been more than a year since you've been in and i uh, can can you come in and do this I said, you, you know what no I, I would rather go without my medication than subject myself to having to go through your ridiculous procedures for a pandemic that has been over for six months. Well, yeah, 
I mean, or they should at least be making concessions to make sure that medication that you've been on, I'm guessing for longer than a year or two. Uh, like five years. Yeah. It hasn't killed you yet, has it? No, um, I, well, I, I don't know how many times, but I keep coming back. So. <laughs> so you're still here. I get it. I get it. And uh, at least I'm podcasting and voting. Well, well, at least one of those is an important thing. I'm not sure which, but one of those yeah. is an important thing. Would you like to hear an Internet of Things story? Sure. Tell me uh, a story. I, well, you drink coffee, don't you? I am drinking coffee right now. So there is a company. Um, they are UK based uh, in called Smarter, um, which is a is pretty pretentious weird? thing to name. No, no, it's just Smarter. Um, so it's a guess. pretty pretentious thing to name your company. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I know I, I'm interrupting and I, we don't normally That's do fine. that. But uh, I mean, I was when you said that and I'm like a coffee company, Internet of Things, I was thinking like SMRTR, you know, something like that. And yeah, it, it, if it was Silicon Valley, I think they probably would have. Uh, the UK, anyways, they're, much, they're they, more refined. They came out. They came out about five years ago with uh, a device called an eye kettle, which is is spelled as if Apple made it. <laughs> nice. They didn't get sued. Um, and, you know, a, a, well, it's a UK um, and kettle in the UK is, means uh, a, a, a device for making hot water because uh, it's it's not really coffee in the UK, although that's definitely growing, um, especially with their increasing Arabic population. But um, coffee is getting bigger. But the big thing in UK has always been tea. And for tea, you need a ready supply of hot water. So your kitchen kettle in the UK is it is a sacred object it is the most important thing in the kitchen for heating up water for your tea um well these people had come out with uh, an eye kettle which was a smart kettle that had effectively the guts of a raspberry pi inside it was like a full chip and and an entire os with a linux install this kettle was uh oh i'm being fact checking in the troll room why do i why do i even look at the troll room screw you guys trolls. um i know uh, apparently coffee was already a thing in London. Who gives a fuck? But cold um, acid does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it has effectively, it has a, a, a raspberry Pi equivalent thing inside um, it, but it was a kettle that connects to Wi-Fi and um, no authentication and uh, uh, researchers at the pen test partners uh, went through and discovered that it was trivially easy to uh, spoof the access point and then let the let the kettle connect to the spoofed access point and connect and log in to Linux with a default admin password. Well, this was five years ago um, and it, it caused a stir, but not as much as it would today because it was novel. Um, but this is a story about the company never bothering to learn from their mistakes. They never issued a warning. Um, they never issued any kind of, of recall firmware, anything. They, uh, there, there is still a ton of it because, because it's a kettle and it's just to heat water in theory. Um, it, there's still a crap ton of them out there. So if you do wander around anywhere in the UK and you want to fuck with people's tea, um, all you have to do is spoof the Wi-Fi and in insert the default password and you can control these old kettles. Well, they released a coffee maker in 2018. So uh, a researcher named Martin Hron from Avast decided to play with it and see what he could do uh, out of the box. 
this uh, th- this coffee maker, and and it is I think called the iKettle coffee maker, but I couldn't be sure. Um, out of the box, this coffee maker actually puts up an unsecured Wi-Fi access point so that it can communicate with drum roll, please your phone, an app, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it it creates an you put the coffee maker on your kitchen counter and it creates an unsecured access point in your house. There's no authentication, of course. Um, the phone app, it, there's no encryption or, or, or of any kind. So the this researcher found it particularly easy to just monitor the Wi-Fi signals and decode uh, and and decompile the entire algorithm for how the app communicates with the coffee maker. Um, among other things, uh, what he realized was that the the number of things that he could do for for the official api was pretty low but one of the interesting functions on there was that of course this coffee maker phoned home every 30 days or so to get new firmware and he already knew how all of it worked and so he figured out that it was easy to write a new firmware and by connecting to this unsecured no authentication access point you could just tell it hey use my firmware so he created a custom firmware uh, that he put on this coffee maker, which allowed you to turn on and off the coffee burner, dispense water, regardless of whether or not there's a pot there, uh, to spin the bean grinder, uh, to display messages, and to beep incessantly. <laughs> now, in the grand scheme of things, not the most horrible stuff in the world, although if you if you don't. You, you can make quite the mess if your pot isn't in place and it dispenses water and and runs the bean grinder. Um, and it, it, there could be a concern if it decides to turn the burner on permanently um, and, and doesn't have any kind of thermal controls. Um, but it, it is yet another example. And, and he actually he created this and he published the firmware uh, saying, well, you know, maybe if more people do this, then they'll finally start to notice that this this stuff is insecure. Um, yeah, uh, apparently companies, even in 2020, are are not picking up on the fact that when you put a chip and you put a network radio inside of a device, you have to secure it. Yes. I mean, that's how I mean, even, you know, you've given me some crap for our LG washer and dryer. And the way that connects to your home Wi-Fi is that when it is through all, the public network, please. It is no. Well, it's you have to the uh, guest network. You have to one. You well, yes. You want to put it on a guest network, but in order to program your Wi-Fi information into said washer or dryer, you have to press a button, which on the washer or dryer will activate one of these open things. You know, at LG Washer, yeah. whatever, and because yeah. that you don't want that on all the time. And it sounds like what they did with this coffee machine was. No, no, that's just on all the time because we didn't yeah, think why that not? maybe there should be a button to activate this. So the people that because otherwise it has to be connecting to the person's Wi-Fi network in order to phone home. So it's not like, the, you yeah. know, it's it's not like you can use the, uh, you know, having a Wi-Fi network connected to nothing. You can't phone home. So it has to be connected to their home network, which also means you can easily infiltrate their home network by jumping on this open Wi-Fi that's already connected. Or you could probably, you know what, if you could jump into the kettle 
you could probably see open text, the Wi-Fi username and password for the a person's actual Wi-Fi connection. Just a guess from the way this security sounds. But isn't this the main problem with the fact that these Raspberry Pi type boards are so cheap and the Raspberry Pi Zero is like, what, 10 bucks now, if it's even 10 bucks. And it's the smallest version of this. And it is a basic little computer. But because they're so cheap, people will throw them into anything now and never worry about any of the security stuff. It's just, oh, I can throw one of these into a coffee machine. I can throw one of these into a teddy bear. I can throw one of these into, you know, a dildo. Perfect. And it's really, really, really cool to have your device come alive with new functionality that's enabled by putting a chip in it. But there are huge responsibilities involved in putting a computer into anything, especially a computer connected to somewhere as hostile as the Internet. Yes. Where you you have to secure that, you know, I, I as you were talking, I came up with with three more things about this. First of all, this thing creates an open Wi-Fi access point in your kitchen. Doesn't that interfere with any other access points anywhere else? It depends Secondly, on the channel. Yeah. If it's in. Yeah. But there are only it, it, I mean, standard Wi-Fi, at least, uh, you know, 802.11G only really has three usable channels. It's it's the the top, the middle and the bottom. And all the other ones will interfere with each other. But you're you're kind of using up one of those in the house, uh, which is silly for a device that doesn't need to be on most of the time uh secondly uh it's a kitchen it's on the kitchen counter you know what else goes on the kitchen counter uh there is a massive generator of signals in the 2.4 gigahertz band that always sits on everyone's kitchen counter the microwave oven yeah if your microwave oven has a pinhole anywhere in the case and is not fully 100 shielded which most of the ones that have been used in more than a year or for more than a year will have a pinhole somewhere and will be leaking 2.4 gigahertz radiation all over your kitchen. What is that going to do to this network chip? What is that going to, there's got to be some kind of, at least it's the kind of thing that would make a tester cringe. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. But I mean, just think of having that kind of control now, rather than having to be within Wi-Fi range, if I could control like your coffee pot from here, Oh, that would be great. Can you imagine? I would just be like, okay, one, the first night, I think it would be the beeping incessantly between like midnight and 3 a.m. And well, you know, actually not incessantly. You would have it just beep a couple of times and then stop just about the time somebody yes. gets out of bed to find what's beeping. Then it stops. Yeah. And then make it stop for 10 or 15 minutes. Yes. A random amount of time. Yeah. Yes. And then the burr grinder would start going off in the middle of the night because. But OK. And and it it is hilarious, of course, to talk about your coffee maker being possessed because that's what this sounds like. Yes. But what is the real harm of this? You you'd be sitting here going, OK, my coffee maker is annoying. You unplug it and that's the end of it. Um, It doesn't seem like a huge problem. But if I can create custom firmware that does that, why can't I create custom firmware to create to add your coffee maker to my bot network easily and otherwise let it run fine and then drive down streets with a, a wi-fi broadcaster in my car and convert every coffee maker in the neighborhood into my own personal botnet that is the real concern for this because you have put an unsecured device with a firmware update mechanism on the internet yes shame to smarter company whatever you are 
Well, yeah, because one little Raspberry Pi type board isn't going to net you a whole lot of crypto when you're mining it. But if you have a million of them, <laughs> well, maybe. <Sure. laughs> I mean, I mean, how how many bitcoins can you mine on a coffee burr grinder? <laughs> I want to know. Now I want to know. That seems to well. See, I'm surprised that companies like this aren't doing that to generate money. Because how would you know if the company that sold you your coffee pot? basically had a little cpu that you were plugging in it was sucking your power because these things like the uh, k-cup machines the Keurigs, you know they're always plugged in you know and they're usually heating the water for like ours it goes on at like seven in the morning goes off at seven at night so anytime it's sucking power actually it doesn't even have to be when the uh when that is on as far as the heater it could it's sucking power 24 hours a day how do you know that the device you just plugged in especially once you signed it into your wi-fi boom that is the ultimate crypto botnet you know it's funny you should mention keurig because that's my other coffee maker story for today Ooh, see i'm like channeling you right now it's scary yes you you are so good at the segue you can <laughs> nail it even without knowing what you're segueing to that and is, then i can ruin it by pointing out the segue yes that is professional <laughs> podcasting on both ends yes um this one's uh, uh you you are familiar with uh what what Keurig has done in the past uh early early on uh Keurig was created as a single use pod coffee maker um i i had one here actually i had two here cuz i'd brought one home from my office and and kept it in storage until the first one failed and then i swapped out the second one kept using that um they the very useful thing for when you want one cup of coffee and it you know it's it's the height of american decadence that you can say i want to i i want a prepackaged serving of coffee beans and i want to put it in i want to get my one cup of coffee made with a just one button press and then i take out the grounds with their non-biodegradable plastic container and throw it in the landfill because i'm an american and fuck you Uh, it's yeah it's perfect it it is there is nothing more american than than creating a single cup of coffee with a button press and then creating waste but it was convenient and and the coffee wasn't awful at least when you first bought the thing uh my my biggest (laughs) my, my my biggest complaint about the thing was that uh because you couldn't take it apart they couldn't possibly let you at any of their proprietary shit it was almost impossible to clean the only cleaning method you could do was to brew a, a pot of a vinegar solution yes. and hope that the vinegar was enough to descale it which uh, in with both of the keurigs that i had here eventually the shit would just not pump water no matter how much vinegar i put through it and boy if i had the ability to take it apart i probably could have fixed that but as it was i just landfilled it well the big tech angle came about seven years ago when Keurig, uh, well, Keurig, by the way, a really cool startup company that created an amazing device. Main reason is, is landfill issues aside, one of the big benefits of the first Keurig was it didn't need to be connected to anything because the internet, where the internet of things had not progressed to the point where everything was in the cloud. Right. So they just created a counter device that was self-contained and all worked. And of course, once Keurig started getting big, uh, companies, other companies, other people who made coffee started creating new or their own coffee pods that you could put in it, which just made the device really useful. An entire ecosystem built up 
around the Keurig where everybody was making coffee pods that you could put in a number of companies, including one uh, San Francisco Bay coffee. Yes. Yeah. Um, w- was, I mean, they were creating pods that were actually biodegradable. I used those for a while because their coffee was pretty good. Yeah. Cause and they weren't, I, yeah, they weren't plastic. They were like mesh at the bottom. Yeah. They they were a mesh at the bottom. And then the top, the plastic ring was, it wasn't plastic. It was the same stuff that they make the biodegradable forks out of. But, I mean, the nice thing is that unlike, say, a biodegradable spoon, which biodegrades in hot soup, this one, I, once <laughs> that, that, that is I, not I a told that story at Microsoft. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Microsoft had a, a, a three month trial where they replaced all of their plastic ware in all of their cafeterias with biodegradable. And, and I, I just had to stop eating soup because I didn't like the, the fibrous shit from my spoon dissolving. <laughs> when the spoon's gone halfway through the soup, you're like, uh, yeah. now what? I'll just drink it. <laughs> but yeah, so um yeah, the the ecosystem around the first Keurig was amazing and can if I, can I just device, say one thing though? Huh? Be be happy they didn't replace the bowls with the same material. <laughs> uh they tried. Uh it was it was less than a week before they brought back plastic bowls though. <laughs> the bowls are just disintegrating. <laughs> That's fantastic. Does somebody have tested this first? Come on, Mike. Wait, no, it's Microsoft. What? You are the what tester. What do you think we were doing? <laughs> nice. That's, nice. We're testers. Microsoft tests all new technologies They're on like, their, their employees first. I'm just it's, picturing the cafeteria. It, it, There's like one of those two way mirrors, and there's somebody on the other side like, Nope, nope. Soup didn't last. <laughs> the bowl didn't it, last. It actually long has. A, there is a word for that at Microsoft and probably at other places. The word is called self-host, which is uh, every engineer, at, at least in the Windows team, every engineer who worked on Windows was expected at least once a week to install the latest, fresh off the compiler build of Windows of the new version of Windows we're working on, and to run all of your daily work on that. And it was accepted as a cost of doing business that every once in a while your entire work will become totally fucked over by a bug in the brand new fresh build of windows but hey we found the bug and besides inconveniencing six thousand people by making them unable to work obviously is worth it for one bug right right but anyway um it, back to keurig the, the keurig had a really great ecosystem i was i was i really liked what you it was a sign of what the what new technology could bring, which is these people create a very successful player of, and a bunch of other companies create the media that works with that player. Keurig got bought out by Green Mountain Coffee. Right. And Green Mountain or, or whoever was running the company at the time decided that they were not satisfied to just be the ones who created the coffee maker. They had to also create and catch a, a piece of every one of the pods sold. And so they came out with the Keurig 2.0. And this was, I want to say seven or eight years ago. Um, everybody who was following tech or internet of things at the time uh, had a really good laugh about the fact that this was a DRM coffee maker. Yes. Uh, they, they had the coffee maker that if you put somebody's third party coffee pod in it the pods looked the same they had exactly the same form factor they were shaped the same they were brewed the same but the third party pods did not work in the keurig 2.0 because it had a little scanner that would look for a color-coded 
tag on the official pods or the officially licensed pods. And the idea was that Green Mountain wanted to be the only they wanted a cut of every single pod that went through a Keurig machine. They got greedy and the Keurig 2.0 did not do as well as the Keurig 1.0. It, it, it Instead of being the big coffee explosion that was going to take over everything, it kind of became a niche thing. And, and yeah, there's a lot of places where they're OK with OK, only official pods. And by the way, official also means what it, you when whenever San Francisco Bay Coffee wants to uh, sell you something that works in the Keurig 2.0, they are supposed to buy a license and pay royalties to Green Mountain. I, I, again, it's greed in action. Well, that's where right. I first uh, found the San Francisco Bay and they, they morphed into something else now, the name, I believe. But that's uh, I found oh. them when they were the ones sending out the little stickers and the little thing you can put yeah. in to make every machine, you know, every pod work. <laughs> and, and, and I, yeah, exactly. I was getting to with, with the Keurig 2.0, people figured out very quickly that the way they were just using a little sensor that would look at the side of it. And early on, what people realized was that if you take, if you cut the top off, like just the ring around the top of an official pod and you carefully place that on top of your unofficial pod and you close it with that, then the sensor will detect the official ring right. and brew it anyway. And the coffee works. And then eventually people were like, well, how about we just create some? And, and they started developing a, a clip that you could snap into your Keurig machine, which would permanently put the right signal in front of the sensor. And then there were online guides for how to just disable the sensor. And then, yeah, San Francisco Bay was one of the companies that was like, we're not going to license this. Coffee is, should not be patented. And started shipping the little clip with their boxes of coffee because it was cheap. It was just a the right color pigment. And and by the way, uh, a, a you know, a lot of people will say, well, obviously Green Mountain got greedy. That's what capitalism know it. No, that's that's not how capitalism works. That is how uh, capitalism under a a very very strict intellectual property regime works. Because if if Green Mountain didn't have the ability to patent the Keurig system, then there was no way that they could demand a royalty for everything. People would, they would just make their coffee maker and people would make pods that work. So anyway, long, long route to go. Uh, Keurig is releasing a new coffee maker. That's your DRM? Um, this, is, this is the Keurig Custom Smart. It costs $400. Um, <laughs> I got this story from Bloomberg and I got to tell you, I, I, I didn't, I was unsatisfied with Bloomberg. Usually I'm, I, I, their articles aren't awful. Um, this one read like a fucking press release, but, uh, yes, it's DRM. Uh, however, they've, they've upped the DRM. They've done, they've gone farther. Um, they, there wasn't a lot of details about the exact, how the DRM is going to work, but. Let me just start by by pointing out the the benefits. Why would you pay four hundred dollars for an automated coffee maker that only works on one company's licensed products? Well, because it knows to the degree what temperature the water should automatically be warmed or cooled to, and the pace at which it then trickles through the grind and into the cup. Can I uh, uh, can I just you know break break on through and just say the hottest and the slowest. <laughs> um if you like bitter highly caffeinated acid then yes yes that works. thank you that's what i want <laughs> okay well um see 
This one is Wi-Fi enabled. Oh, well, yes. This good, good. Keurig Custom Smart is Wi-Fi enabled. It has it knows that it can go to a database. Uh, the database has the exact brew settings for ever that 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 master brewers recommend for each of the 900 plus varieties of coffee that are licensed to work with a Keurig. And so when you put it in the, the new one, it, I don't know. It has a, maybe a barcode of fuck. If I know it might be a QR code. Um, it has a code and it can detect exactly what pod you put in and it uses the Wi-Fi to go out to the online database. So of course it's an online database because Somebody might come out with a new one, and so they can't just ship the list of nine hundred brew settings. Right in that makes sense. I that I'll give them. And so, if you want, and they they point out that of course, if you think you know better, (laughs) this was a quote from the Bloomberg article. If you think you know better than the master brewers, you can adjust the heat, the speed, the strength, etc. By the way, drum roll, please. How do you adjust it? With a knob. With an app. (laughs) Oh, okay. So you can't do it on the little screen. No touch screen anymore. No, 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 there's no touch screen. There's a button on the front that says brew. Oh my God. That's the, the UI has been simplified to put a coffee pod in and hit the brew button and it will detect what pod you put in, go and download the settings. And if you want different settings, then you put the pod in, you open up your app, you can adjust your settings from there and you can hit brew on the app. So now my question is, I who is yes, if if you want to start your brew from in your bed, because most people these days are so addicted to social media that their phone is next to them in bed and they pick up the phone and look at it before they even pull the covers back that you can start your coffee. Well, the, the real question is, uh, who is paying Keurig? Because somebody is for the data of what coffee exactly you're drinking, because now that is. That's on the table. That's no question about it. Everything you drink because of the fact that the thing, whether you want to do the thing manually or not, it is scanning the code for everything you put in there. So there's going to be a master list of exactly what you drink and when you drink it. If you use that machine. I was going to say what you drink is uh, you can get a really close approximation to that by just looking at at what coffee pods get sold. Uh, So all that data was already available. But yeah, the much more interesting data is when you drink it, whether or not you overrode the the settings, what settings you used, because of course, when, if enough people override the settings on a blend, they're going to take that back and go, well, maybe we adjust it and see what it works. Um, it, yeah, there, there's a lot more data because now I, I, I didn't see anything about this, so I'm not going to assume, but I would not be surprised if there's fucking user profiles in this, or maybe that's a Keurig 4.0. Probably. Well, this is what they want to do and i think this is what the amazon microwaves do which is they let you scan the barcode of whatever you're making and then it just automatically puts in the right amount of time which for some people may be helpful because i've noticed the microwave that we have is must be way more efficient and powerful than most because if something says you know it's going from frozen cook it for five minutes three minutes usually is more than done so, I mean, this could be something that would be useful because most people don't understand that every microwave is not the same and having the ability for the machine to know what's in there could be helpful. But you, you already know my favorite microwave recipe. You take a ball of aluminum foil, crumple <laughs> it up and put it on high for five minutes. I thought that's just uh, holidays at the in-laws house or something like that. 
<laughs> just walk out of the kitchen as you after you do that and go. <laughs> it works. I know. I, I don't have a microwave. There are very, very few things in this world that I think is improved by using a microwave oven. Well, yeah, you don't like the microwaves, but they you know they can heat up your uh, coffee. Yeah. Soak in my coffee maker. <laughs> you know, this uh, it, it's an interesting thing because I know this is going to be pushed. Not as DRM. Obviously, this is going to be pushed for the connoisseurs of coffee. And like, of course, we can get you the perfect cup. You don't have to worry about it. This will make the and, perfect cup every time. And and the funny thing is that uh, I am currently sipping uh, a French press that I ground myself this morning and then used a, an electric kettle to heat the water and a French press and steeped it and pressed it. And I guarantee the cup of coffee that I am sipping right now is better than 95% of the Keurig cups out there. Oh, there's no doubt. I just like the caffeine. I mean, that's all I really need. And the only way to get caffeine without really having all the sugary drinks or the diet drinks, which are even worse, coffee seems to be the way to go. So the Keurig for me, uh, it's fine. Yeah. You know, there's- actually the highest caffeine thing that I have in my house is, uh, and, and it only comes out for special occasions is I have. A jar of loose leaf Irish breakfast tea Ooh, that, that I got from a, a local seller. And uh, this stuff is brutal. If I let this steep, it's about twice as powerful as a cup of coffee. So if you want to get the heart palpitations on, it's the Irish breakfast tea. Um, well, I did have the one time when I thought, okay, I really need a lot of caffeine in a hurry and I double packed <laughs> it and then I steeped it extra long and it actually made me upset to my stomach when, to which point I had to go to the, go visit the bathroom. <laughs> like, like, oh, that just really destroyed my insides <laughs> too much, too much, too much. Yeah. The, uh, if you had the internet of things doing that, you would have been fine. But when it comes to coffee, I mean, do you like roast your own too? things toilet? Yeah. You know what? Actually, I, that exists. Yeah. The, well, yeah, because that way it can uh, it can be like a doctor. It can look at your waist and let you know if there's a problem. We know that's where it's going. Well, I, I, somebody uh, last week when we were talking about Internet of Things, um, somebody posted in the troll room uh, something about a smart pipe. And I think it was actually a gag product because it. It, it, it was written like that, but they said smart pipe and what the way it was supposed to work is you replace the pipe coming out of your bottom of your toilet with this internet connected one and it will analyze everything that goes by and then give you health advice. Yeah, I could see that. I could see I'm sensors, like, I'm yeah. not sure that technology exists today, but honestly, if it did, you know, somebody would make it. Yeah, they would. That, and then your doctor, your insurance companies would be like, we'll give you a discount if you use this. And then somebody would hack that and it would be a it would be a delightful thing. But when it comes to the full coffee thing, do you uh, grind? We know you grind your own, but do you like uh, roast your own, too. Or you just buy beans and that's as uh, I have roasted my own. Damn. And uh, I tell you what, if you I, I can give you some of my my special roast, if you like brewing uh, coffee through charcoal. <laughs> it's it's uh it's a little overdone let's just say i i have i have tried my hand at roasting my own and i'm not good at it and <laughs> so i i buy fresh roasted beans from a local vendor and then i store them in a, a a sealed jar and grind them as i need them nice and, and the the grinder is not wi-fi enabled the grinder is not uh, the grinder is electric because I, I'm not quite that ambitious. 
<laughs> you know, I've tried a hand grinder before and yeah, it's I, like, no yeah, hand grinding for a single cup of coffee is doable. Hand yes. grinding for a whole pot is, is way more effort than I want to put in before I've had any coffee. Yeah. You need a conical burr grinder and it has to be powered. That's, yeah. That's really the only way to go. No question about it. I was uh, amazed. I haven't gone to look at the instruction booklet for the air fryer that we got last Christmas, but I noticed I was looking a DC girl. I think what was asking like which air fryer. Cause I was you know bragging about it and it was really good. And it's always rated like as one of the best. And I noticed that the current version, and I don't know if the one we have does or not, but the current version also has Wi-Fi and it will talk to your Amazon device. You could say Amazon device. So start air. It's like, why? Why would anybody ever need to tell an Amazon device or a Google device or any of these devices to start the air fryer? Why? I'm I'm just telling you, uh, my my Wi-Fi system is locked down uh, things that. Uh, I don't manually add to it. it. It is it is whitelisted for devices. Things that I don't manually add to it do not get Wi-Fi. Started that shit with uh, when the smart TV decided <laughs> it wanted Wi-Fi, and so it was Mac- like it was just like add ask. It was uh, you know give please give me the Wi-Fi settings, and I'm like you know it's only a matter of time before these devices stop asking for Wi-Fi settings and just connect to whatever they find. Yes. And by the way, that time has come and gone. Well, yeah, or they're going to use, I mean, for areas like ours, you know, we're, you're, you have Xfinity too. They, uh, you know, if you have the Xfinity Wi-Fi coming out of your router, your neighbor's router, boom, these TVs yeah. will be able to log in anyway. Yeah, you you lock down your own network and half your devices are going to be connecting to your neighbors anyway. Yep. So you got to know what they're doing. But the, uh, you know, you just, do you go into the router and just select uh, by MAC address? How do you lock these things down? Um. Yeah, I, I, I whitelist the MAC addresses. Nice. Nice. See, that's that's so tech if, information. You know, and most of them, they don't print the Mac address on on the device. So you have to sit there and go, OK, well, what's uh, new? Oh, yeah. What? OK, let's let's clear everything and now try to connect. OK, what popped up in the log? Yeah, I've been meaning to go through and uh, keep a list of the Mac addresses because I did this once as uh, we set up the new router when I got it a few years ago. And Linksys will let you do something similar, but you can go in and name them so that's also a very nice thing to do so when you add yeah, something that's new, helpful yeah uh, except they end up i mean losing you can the names. you can name them with a tablet of paper near the router too well i'm just saying then when you go into your router settings it'll tell you what's currently connected yes. so rather than having to you know cross reference but yeah that would be helpful to have that information handy but for people that are maybe not familiar with doing this stuff the whitelisting slash blacklisting you just go into your router you go into the settings at one you should have already changed the default username and password oh God, yes. for your router. But then, you know, I have to say that on, on the topic of companies can be taught. It just takes 10 years. A lot of the new routers are coming out these days with randomized admin passwords. Yes. And the password is either printed on it or, or so the, the best ones, the password is just printed on the outside, the default password. And then you can actually use the default password because it's the only device in the world that uses that one. I still recommend changing it, but you can get away with not. Yes, that's still relatively safe. But then you can go in. You can see all of the devices that are connected to your router. And it's nice if you can see what they are. And if there's something new, hey, you might want to change the Wi-Fi password if you're finding devices on your system that you do not recognize. And it's easy to happen once you start loading stuff in. I I guarantee if, if you have not gone in and gone all dude named Ben on your router and 
and lock the thing down at, you know, a chain because no, nothing comes with default settings if nobody can connect. Nobody would want a router like that. Um, but if you've not gone into lockdown, I bet I guarantee every one of you can go to your router now and check the logs and you will find devices have connected at one point or other that you don't know what they are. Yes, that's concerning. Uh, if nothing else, there are you know, if, if you live on a street that people drive down, every single person who drives down with a fucking cell phone, that cell phone is reaching out to every house that they drive by looking for a Wi-Fi it can connect to. You know, Omega Projects ask you, what about the new routers that want cloud accounts? Mine did. I didn't didn't set one up. <laughs> you don't give one. Yes. Um, I mean, that's for some simplistic things if you want to do remote. But if you know your IP address at home yeah. by setting up a DNS, you know, I, I, I can do remote using my IP address if I had ever turned that on. Yes. So, I mean, there's I, that. Don't don't, don't give up that. Uh, don't give up that kind of control over the router. And that's why it was yeah. one of the first reasons and not, I, not just a router. My, my advice to anybody for every Internet of Things, Internet connected device anywhere is uh, if, if you are shopping, well, first of all, if you are shopping for a device, uh, it, it the best way to control a, a physical device like a coffee maker or uh, an air fryer or an oven is there. There need to be buttons on it and you can control all functions of it via those buttons from the physical location where you're putting the food in or dispensing the coffee or whatever. And if you can't control the device by buttons, if, if trying to run the device requires you to download an app, (laughs) don't buy that. That is a piece of crap advice device. And if, even if you are all in on the technology, what if you lose your phone? (laughs) The app is there to track you. It's they, they are that apps are apps are very dangerous and and all of these things it it's not apps are dangerous as a default but the oh but I need an app in order to control my coffee maker should not be the justification <laughs> yes if you now, want to adjust your cook your uh, brewing time I, I need an app because I'm hopelessly addicted to this social network okay you're going to install the app because you're you're not going to be able to use physical buttons in your kitchen to post pictures to Instagram. I, I understand that. I, I think you're wrong and you need to get off of Instagram, but I understand that people do that. But I, you don't need an app to start your fucking air fryer because you still have to be there to put things in and take it out. You're already there. You, you don't need an app to turn your fucking lights on in the room. There's a, there's a mechanical device on the wall that does that. Oh, I'm kind of surprised the Keurig doesn't have a camera and microphone built in for your convenience. Oh, that's not why the camera and microphone are built in. It's for their convenience. so They can <laughs> listen to you. I mean, yeah. what the, what they're building these uh, Amazon devices into now, all sorts of different things. I'm just kind of surprised that would seem to make sense. They want to talk to it. Get yeah. your information. I mean, if your coffee machine can't give you the sports scores, really, what good is the coffee machine? It's just going to make coffee. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't and I it. tell you what, when I first wake up in the morning, I need the coffee a hell of a lot more than I need sports scores. Yeah. Well, sports is dead. I guess it depends on which one you're more addicted to. True. True. Uh, but it seems there's a lot more people addicted to coffee right now than sports. If you go by how many people watched the NBA finals, the World Series and all that sports <laughs> are in trouble, man. World Series. Was there a World Series? There was. And it was the least watched World Series in the history of the World Series. 
I heard that more people participated in the riot following the World Series than than watched the game. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? That's what I said to uh, our buddy Larry from thatlarryshow.com because he's in the L.A. area. And I'm like, you know, I, I thought it was just when the uh, cops killed poor, innocent uh, black people that they rioted. No, it turns out your sports team wins riot. It doesn't matter. Really, they, they love to riot. Really, the, the particular excuse doesn't matter. It's it's like. It's like any excuse to party for college students. It's in L.A. It's any excuse to riot. Right. Now, isn't that that was the most interesting thing to me was equating those things together because it's like, so you're telling me now and I don't want to make any racist, you know, connotations from the fact that you're telling me the black community has the same reaction when one of their community is killed or a sports team wins. It seems like it's a very weird thing to have the same reaction to. I think I would have a different reaction for those two things. Not really sure what that says about the people taking part in them. I, 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 I think if you're having that kind of reaction, you need to see a doctor and get a cream for it. Yes, probably. And quickly. But I heard you have a, a new SSD drive. Is that true? I. Oh, holy crap. What the fuck? cat? The cat the, what's the cat doing? Oh, I, I have uh my my one of my windows faces south and most of the time like if if the sun ever comes out which admittedly is rare but it's out today um the the light from the window would shine directly on my computer which is fine because normally i have vertical blinds that will block the the sunlight really effectively i mean they're they're great except when the cat jumps up in the windowsill and starts pushing the blinds aside with her body. And then there's vertical <laughs> slivers of light right across my monitor. And I can't see a damn thing. So the cat's messing Sorry. with you. Yes. The cat, the cat likes to fuck with me. the cat doesn't approve of me doing this podcast because I'm not petting her enough. And so she, uh, she's trolling. She may, anyway, not, she may just be fact checking you. Um, I, she might. And I'm like, yeah, yes that's what's happening i'm like it's always raining in seattle and she's like oh yeah look outside now dumbass <laughs> like at least that's not where the bullets are coming in. otherwise the cat would be jumping off the windowsill pretty quick so uh, uh thank you again for that marvelous segue but uh, I, I did i did in fact get um a samsung one terabyte x860 evo ssd uh, that is really all I'm able to report on this because I haven't put it in my computer yet. It's amazing how no, it's not amazing how large those are getting. It's amazing how large they're getting at the price they're getting because that, well, that just, was the thing that that made me pull the trigger. Uh, but this particular one was uh, an Amazon one day. Uh, uh, do they call them flash sales? It's whatever it was. It, the, Amazon does the woot thing once in a while right, right. where they're like time limited sales and. This particular one terabyte drive was $109. So we are looking at close to um, 10 gigabytes per dollar. And I remember way back in the day when I would very carefully scan through every one of the giant encyclopedia thick computer shopper magazines looking for the cheapest drive, I, uh, you know, uh, the, the highest megabytes per dollar that i could find on on a drive and it's it's insane 10 gigabytes per dollar just blows my mind we well, yeah, have for the point in, in spindle drives a while ago but this is an ssd yeah and uh i mean i miss those days putting together a new computer that was exactly it you'd go through computer shopper 
you'd go through all the different sources. And then for me, it got to the point to where it was new egg was always going to beat everybody. So for a while it was just go to new egg and order everything. And uh, now it's Amazon. If you want the best price and they have all the same gear, new egg does more or less. I mean, there may be some exceptions. So I, I, I can't, I can't give you a review of this drive because I haven't put it in yet, but uh, what, what I will tell you is my computer, this one is set up using the prevailing recommendations from most of the last decade, which is, you know, spindle drives just got too damn slow for modern operating systems because you know, windows wants to, to load through 300 gigabytes into memory while it's booting the operating system. It's got that much crap in it. And if you recall, there was a time back when uh, we, we all accepted that Windows XP or Windows Vista would literally take 60 seconds to start. You'd power it up and then go get yourself a cup of coffee and go pee for, and, you know, and, and then the computer would be, we, we all accepted that. That was normal. Right. And SSDs came on and suddenly it's 10 seconds and <clears throat> it became highly common to build the computer the way that I have, which is I have two physical drives in this computer. I have drive C, which is an SSD and it allows the computer to be really fast. The SSD contains the operating system and the swap file. And then the other is a two terabyte spindle drive, which contains all of my data and windows was never optimized for this. And I find that infuriating because no, you know, computer makers don't want to put two drives in that doubles your cost on drives. Um, so you either got a spindle drive or you got an SSD. But when I built this computer, um, the economic size for an SSD was 128 gigs, which is what I got. Tiny. And I, it's, it's quite small and it was probably the smallest that would reasonably work for uh, an installation of windows, but it was fine because the only thing I wanted on there was the operating system and the swap file, right? Uh, everything else, including my program files directory. Uh, I, I went in and I had to fucking reg hack this because windows makes this fucking hard and God damn it. Windows. Why, why can't you make it easier to say, I want all of my bulk data on a different drive. They don't, but I know how to reg hack it to make it so that the program file directory is on drive D. And so that's where it went. So all the programs that have, you know, install and it takes up 300 gigabytes or, or whatever. Um, that all goes onto the big drive and I don't care. And all my data folders are on the big drive and I manually, all the, all the folders I really care about, I manually manage anyway, because honestly, I don't even use the start menu. It's Windows 8. You can't use a start menu without losing your mind. Right. Are you a tablet? Um, no. It wanted you to be. That was Windows 8. It was oh, all oh. about being a tablet. Yeah. I've, got stories about that but it, it doesn't affect me all that much because my primary interface to the entire computer is the command line uh i live my life in powershell which is is just the the windows ex- uh, upgraded version of cmd and it, it's a full programming language in itself so i'm really a big fan but why is why do i need a new ssd well honestly i i was getting along all right with with just some grumbling about my problems with the ssd until this sale came along and honestly couldn't turn down the price but what's the problem with that setup is everything that queries the system and says where is the program files directory 
will correctly install to deprogram files and we're good. But there's always that software whose installer is fucking douchey and decides we're not going to query the system for pro where program files is. We're just going to take a shit on drive C. And by the way, I am looking at you, Google Chrome, which <laughs> doesn't even have any UI. If, if you've ever experienced the Chrome installer, it is the smoothest, most easy user experience ever. You click, I want to run this program. You, you know, if the UAC dialog pops up, you say, yes, give it access to install drivers on my machine. And then it turns for a while. And next thing you know, Chrome is installed and working. Why? Because it doesn't give you the option of choosing where to install it. It just installs to see program files, Google Chrome. Why is that a problem? Well, it's a giant fucking behemoth of an inefficient program. And the last time I tried to install Chrome, it half installed, blew up and left a bunch of shit on my SSD because it ran out of space. Well, hello. If you ever asked me where to install, I would have told you don't put it on the tiny ass SSD. So it didn't do what you wanted. I'm taking Visual Studio. Another one that, <laughs> that disregards where the program files is and just takes a shit in the drive. C. I was just looking so, at my uh, at my uh, list here of all the drives attached to my computer, including the uh, network attached storage. And overall, there's about uh, 65 terabytes of storage there. And I, I need more. So, uh, yeah, if people want and, to and no program, no program when when asked, I I don't use the program files folder if I can. Um, if, if something actually asks where to install, it gets put in D programs. Uh, just just because programs is well, actually, the biggest advantage to that is there's no fucking space in the name, which makes it a hell of a lot nicer to use for the command line. Um, but there are a lot of programs that don't bother asking where it goes. They just query the system. Where is the program files folder? And for that, at least they find D program files. And then I keep program files separate because that way I know which programs have installers whose developer needs to go jump off a cliff. Well, see, my, like, this this is not a rant about people who don't ask me where the software goes. That that's a different rant entirely. This is the one about those who don't ask and then just assume it's always on Drive C. Oh, it is always Drive C program files. But the thing that annoys me is the swap file and uh, Windows dealing with swap files. I had to move it over to a uh, one of the non SSD drive because my SSD drive is only uh, 222 gig, so that is limiting. Um, it's like almost twice the size of mine. I know. I see. But I make the mistake <laughs> of uh, mainly the stuff that I have on here is the Adobe stuff and mix and that and all of that. I do install on the C drive, which it works. It's snappy. It's nice. The swap file, the Windows wants the swap file for whatever reason. Everybody out there, if you're a dude named Ben, dude that named Bernadette, you know, how big does Windows want the swap file? The same size as the yeah, amount of RAM as your you physical have. memory. Yep. yep. And I have 64 Which, gig. I was going to say, if you have a lot of physical memory, that will eat your SSD. Yes. And it's like, where did all the space go on the SSD? And it's like, I just had to move it. It's like, it's not worth 64 gig of SSD space. And I understand I could have probably messed around and lowered the size. And then that may cause other issues. So it's like, it was just easier to move it to because when does a 64 gig machine really use the swap file? Almost never. Well, I, and in, in my case, well, <laughs> I, it will, but, but that's for technical reasons. I'm not sure we need to get into here. Um, with 64 gig, uh, you might be happiest just turning off the swap file. 
Yeah, I thought about it. And then and it Microsoft does not recommend that. But with 64 gig, because the reason Microsoft doesn't recommend it is because then the operating system can't even temporarily expand. And if somehow you do manage to fill up that RAM <laughs> programs yes. start crashing. And uh, here's a hint. Um, no programmer ever thinks about running out of memory ever again. Uh, back in my day, when we coded every single memory allocation, we had to think about what do we do if that allocation fails? Nobody ever thinks about failed allocations anymore. They just say there's always more memory in the system. And with the swap file, it might be slow. Uh, Windows might churn a bit, but Windows can always come up with more RAM from somewhere as long as your hard drive isn't full. If you turn off the swap file, memory allocations can fail. And I will tell you what, anything written in the last 15, 20 years is going to be a crapshoot whether or not the thing behaves pathologically if a memory allocation fails. That said, long as you don't run you know seven instances of photoshop you right. probably won't eat those 64 gigs and you might be okay um so for you yeah turning off the swap file might be the way to go yeah it might for me i keep a swap file because the the way i want to run my 128 gig ssd is the only things i want on the drive are a 20 gig windows install and 32 gigs of swap file and if i can keep it to that then i am great and of course windows update is probably the worst because every fucking windows update you've ever downloaded, they don't get deleted. They all just sit on drive C and you have to go in and manually clean that shit. But well, yeah, even then, case. if I can keep shit like visual studio from putting all its temporary goddamn files, permanent temporary files on there. Anyway, so I, I might be ranting. Maybe now I was thinking about getting a new machine because this thing is three years old now. So, I mean, this machine came into being long before grumpy old Ben's was even a thing. And, I remember I'm like looking at this because I hadn't built a machine in a while, had already gone through the eye surgery. So I was kind of pissed off about all that stuff. And this was a machine that Costco had on special and it was just a Dell machine. And I uh, tweeted the, the the specs over to Patrick Norton of, you know, Twit TV fame and all the uh, uh, Techzilla and all that. And he was just like, dude, I, you know, that that yeah. just made a comment about kind of like jizzing all over that amount of RAM. And uh it has served me well. I will give the machine that up until the new uh, video drivers and uh, crashing browsers. But that's another story that we've already told. But looking at new machines now, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the reason the NVIDIA driver is crapping out is because it's seeing too much RAM. It's like, yeah, there's, there's that, too much. That RAM is here. a failure that I've seen in drivers. Really? It's like too much RAM. We don't know what to do. Yeah. That is yeah. uh, that's hilarious and sad all at the same time. Um. But I'm looking uh, at new I'm machines. I'm not saying that's what it is, but I am saying I have debugged a driver that crapped out only on machines that had too much physical RAM. Well, I was, again, somewhat impressed that NVIDIA did email me over the weekend saying they were upping the the support to their next level of support. Through their, as they, they want to track this down, which I will give them uh, we'll, we'll give them props for. I don't know how long this will take. Uh, the one nice thing about having the SSD drive with rebooting the machine is when you're rebooting the machine like eight times in a row, you're really glad it doesn't take like three minutes to to boot every time. Yeah, but I, I, I'm just saying, you know, back in the day when we we ran the college uh, computer lab and had to apply updates, you had to allocate an hour 
and you were just going back and forth to computer to computer to computer and be like, okay, it got to the next reboot. Okay. It got to the yes. next one. <laughs> yes. And it was a, it was a, it was a stupid human tricks type thing. But yeah. looking at new desktop now, including Costco has the version of this Dell again, but it maxes out still at like 64 gig, which I'm guessing is still more than enough. But I'm like, well, I've had 64 gig for like three years. Don't I want like 128 now? Um, I mean, that may be excessive. Um, I mean, new computers come with 16 these days. That's kind of sad. I mean, <laughs> I'm just uh, I guess I'm just I have been definitely spoiled. Are you kidding? 16 gigabytes is enough to run almost anything, except maybe not Chrome loading up the verge, but almost anything. <laughs> well, yeah, when there's so much crap where. OK, so 64 is definitely fine. No question about that. Yeah, yeah, you might even be able to get two tabs of the Virgin that. <laughs> the uh, the interesting thing to me was because I was going to pull the trigger. They had the same machine, same price, sixteen ninety nine at Costco on sale because the new ones just came out. So this one is you know the not the newest and greatest. So it was like you know the one season behind, but the video card didn't have enough ports to run the three monitors that I run. So I'm like, screw that. I need the uh, I need the three monitors or. I just need to spend money on a you know much bigger center monitor, but I, I like this. Even though you can get a monitor that would be almost the same size as all three of these together, I kind of like the having it split up. I don't. know. What do you, do you? I know you have multiple monitors now. I do, and I don't think I would trade in three separate monitors for one big one because I run most of my programs, at least the ones I'm going to do something useful in right now, I have uh, on the left monitor, I have IRC in the middle monitor. I have notepad plus plus for my notes and on the right side monitor. I have my browser and they are all maximized and you can't, if, if you have one big monitor, you can't easily maximize something. It's, it's more difficult to get multiple programs. Um, I, I, it's not strictly screen real estate that that I need from multiple monitors. It is the ability to have multiple tasks up at a time and be able to just dart my eyes back and forth to look between them. Exactly. And if if you have one huge monitor, then you have to spend a lot of time figuring out how to tile them correctly. Whereas if I have three monitors, I have at least three tasks that I can have full screen at any given time. Yes. And you can maximize to the monitor very easily. Which is nice. And maximizing the monitor is is literally drag the thing to the top of the screen and boom, it's maximized. Yes. And you don't have to worry about it. Or for for people who want to be all keyboard user, um, the Windows key plus up maximizes the current window. Ooh, that's we should do like a whole episode on favorite hotkeys, because I think there's there's a lot of people. And I was one of them for years that didn't even realize how much stuff you could do. Just don't try Windows key plus left or right, because that will really weird you out. Windows key plus the left or right arrow. It, it half maximizes. It, it is, in fact, a way it, and it, it is the solution to the problem I just described, which is I only have one one monitor, but I want to be able to snap multiple apps. So in a part of the tablet update in Windows 8, and I have no reason to believe this was removed in Win 10. Um, they made it so that you can snap to the left or right and get a uh, half monitor screen. So you can at least put two things side by side without a lot of effort. So if you take a window, I think a window that's not maximized, uh, looks like it works if it is too. Um, then hit win plus left or right, then it will give you maximized on half the screen. 
Oh, that's weird. See, now here's the thing. And maybe this is why it's so screwed up. Uh, I use. And, and cold acid is officially weird. He's one of the few people who actually uses the windows arrows to tile. Just get more monitors, dude. <laughs> hey, that works though. I, I like that. But uh, for me, windows left key doesn't work because I use uh What's it? Any hotkey is the name of the program. Oh, well, I mean, if you're going to if you're going to subvert what Windows is trying to do, which is usually a good thing to do, um, I, I mean, I set it up to to do Windows left. I don't even remember why, because that's been the way it's, the system's been for so long. That gives the command to shut my monitors off. So that's to put the monitor oh. to sleep. <laughs> then, and I just did that. Um, and the monitors all just went black. Luckily, it doesn't turn the computer off. It just I know. I, I know I've given this tip before, but uh, my biggest recommendation for multiple monitors and one that you should definitely get to learn uh, is uh, hold win plus windows key plus shift and go left and right. It is the most awesome thing that that you can get with multiple monitors. Also totally useless with a single monitor. So a lot of people won't know what I'm talking about. Oh, that is awesome. From one monitor to the next and maximized. Yeah. Well, it, it's whatever size it is. If oh, you use a, a window that's nice. not maximized. It goes to the same size and position on the next monitor over. That's wild, man. I did not know that. See, we're learning hotkeys with Sir Ryan Bembrose of the No Agenda Troll Room and uh, program director of the No Agenda Stream. Want to get your so, program run? You want to talk Facebook? Oh, God. Neither do I. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was just going to say that I used the <laughs> Any Hotkey, which is a great program, by the way, um, because when I got this keyboard, it's very similar, I think, to the one you're using right now. There's no media keys on it. So volume up or down, no. which for no, a lot that's of the one thing that I, I did get used to. I'm using the habit that you recommended and I am a fan of the keyboard. It feels really good. It types. Well, um, I kind of miss my media keys. I did at first, but that's where any hotkey came in and I'm using windows page up to volume up and windows page down to volume down. And I mean, obviously you can set other things up too. But yeah, that was the one yeah. thing I missed. I'm like, well, that's the one thing I do is turn volume up and down all the time. And so that was having a program well, my, that can do that is nice. On on my last keyboard, I had actually gone into the registry and disconnected. You know, there there's every keyboard that has the media keys. One of the things that you hate about it is that, okay, that's, okay. why do I need a key on my keyboard that launches the default email app? Nobody right. does that. Right. Not anymore. Um, so I, 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 or, or. Why do I need to dedicate an entire key on my keyboard to launching the calculator? I'd rather. So what I ended up doing was going into the registry and unmapping those so that I could map those keys to special functions like uh, like push to talk in discord. Right. Makes it really nice because, you know, if you're using any computer, then you pick a key or any program, you pick a key. That key might already be done for a while. I had uh, like uh, they recommended I was using uh, mumble. And they recommended uh, use one of the control keys. So I tried one of the control keys as my push to talk. Neat idea, not a problem. Right up until I happened to be coding while I was hanging out in a channel. And people are like, why are you constantly keying up and unkeying your microphone? I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm using my editor. <laughs> I'm working here. I'm working. Yeah, that, that is the problem with yeah. keys going across, which is why I like this little stream deck yeah. thing. Too. You want an exercise in infuriation, map your push to talk to F1. <laughs> Well, that's why you don't do it. That's why I like this little stream deck thing, because it can I can turn the you know talking on and off here and mix and it's doing it, you know, not on my normal keyboard, doing it on a little external keyboard that you can map all the little graphics and stuff onto. So I really do need to do a full 
review and a full breakdown of what that thing can do as well. But uh, I mean, let's why don't we do our experts? Because there's a lot of them being this is the first show of a new month. And Ooh. then, you know, we have another you know story or two after we can try. Uh, I mean, I hate doing the experts last because then it kind of feels like an afterthought. And they're definitely not okay. because we rely on our experts. And well, I, I look forward to the point when we have enough experts, we have to do a first expert segment and then a second expert segment and then the second half of the show. I mean, we're getting closer to that. And I mean, I think we'll be there at some point. And I mean, at some point, it'll also be, uh, you know, unlike the Jennifer Brineys and stuff where like somebody sent me 36 cents and I'll read their note. You know, there will eventually have to be a cutoff like no agenda. I mean, that is the most beautiful thing when you get so much listener and uh, producer support. I mean, didn't mean to call no agenda listeners listeners. They're producers, rightfully so. The support is so great that you're like, yeah, under 50 bucks. We won't talk about that. You walking down the street, somebody gives you fifty bucks. You're like, hey, that's pretty nice. But we appreciate mm. everybody. Down the st- somebody gives me fifty bucks on the street, I'd be like, okay, what's the catch? <laughs> maybe they want uh, favors from you in one way, shape, maybe, or maybe form. they heard me podcasting animatedly to the world just while I'm walking down the street. Because of course, you know, you have to imagine I do that. Well, you could now. I mean, that will be the beauty. I mean, it'll be even better if you get that new Shure microphone. That uh, you could just plug it directly into your phone and you could podcast while walking down the street. I, I tell you what, um, if, if we get a hundred dollars in expert donations, I, I I had told Dame Bemrose the other day, I said, I, I really, she said, do you want this microphone? And I said, well, is that a trick question? Because of course I want it. I said, you know, I would buy that microphone at 150, but 250 is just a little steep for, for my level of, but if, if we get a hundred dollars in expert donations within the next three shows, I will get that microphone. I mean, is that total or just, you know, your half or, uh, I don't know. I, I reserve the right to move the goalpost. <laughs> it's much easier when you're like, oh no, no. What I meant to say was. And if, and if you're including today, we're going to get there uh, pretty quick. So I think there's, uh, you know, a total like 6750, I think today looking here, which isn't bad for, I mean, it's, it's just a little podcast that could here at grumpy old Ben's coming in at the top of the expert I, list is, is somebody that I don't believe has ever sent a note. Although I'm kind of jealous because he did send a note to hog story. I've heard this name on hog story and it is Oystein Burge. Coming in at 2020, or I mean, to celebrate the year, I guess that we're all having here in uh, here in 2020. Uh, I, I've heard the name on No Agenda. I uh, I want to say it was pronounced Berge. Berge, but Oystein is correct, right? I mean, that's that a, sounds right. The uh, but the, the I, I don't know. I, I always don't don't go by what John says <laughs> for names. Even even American names, John somehow messes up. But if it's a if it's a, a Dutch sounding name, then Adam is definitely the, the well, authority. What I thought was funny was there was a donor to no agenda within the last couple of shows from Naperville, Illinois. And it is N-A-P-E-R-Ville, Illinois. And that's just, I mean, of course, living around here, everybody just knows Naperville. But for some reason, John was always thinking people who are misspelling their town name or something. And he was calling it <laughs> Napierville. And it's like, no, there's no I. Na- and, Napier. Yeah, Napierville. Yes. And it's like, 
No. Well, why are you? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, there, there's also no E in Illinois. <laughs> there's, but, there's a lot of corruption though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know, uh, Mr. Bears. Cause I believe there's Washington- also no R in Washington. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's that. <laughs> uh, I, I remember the note oddly enough that he sent into hog story, which was he was supporting his favorite podcast. So hopefully that's just what he's doing here. No note, just supporting a good show here on the no agenda stream. And, uh, we greatly appreciate that. The next one is Jamie Houston coming in with 10 bucks saying, thanks for mashing together technology and politics in a way that doesn't go too far with either. So oh, wait, I see. I'm not sure about that. I think we go too far all the time. <laughs> Which direction? Right. That, that may be. And, and, and I, I think it is. I, I come away every single show thinking we haven't gone far enough. So I think we're, we're probably striking a balance somewhere. I think so. And this is a uh, this is the show I was trying to do years ago with my buddy Jeff, and it was called Alt This. And it started out that we were doing strictly the uh, the technology stuff and then politics in the world, as it still has, has become such a big thing. And it was something we were both interested in that it became a part of the show and it kind of became 50 50. And even though it seems like a very weird combination, are you admitting to recycling your show ideas with me? The idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because as much as it seems cool like that. that shouldn't work, I mean, cause there are so many people that do podcasts there, are, you know, any type of show. I mean, television's the same way where it would be like, well, no, we're, we're, you just have to do politics on the show. But then talk. I tech feel like we're we're basically a cross between the old cranky geeks and Adam's OTG segment. <laughs> kind of, you know, there is. And uh, I, I see I don't see the problem. And, you know, it seems like Jamie uh, agrees here that I don't see the problem in mixing those worlds together and having discussions about all those things. I feel like if we were to do nothing but tech, that would get boring. And if we were to do nothing, but also there's a hundred thousand shows that do nothing but tech. Yes. And nothing but politics, but we do them both. So that's our, that's our shtick. And there's only 40,000 shows that do both. (laughs) But you think that is, that is much fewer. That's the beauty of the podcast index, watching how many shows Uh, have been updated recently. That is, that is some interesting strategy. I, I, I've been reading that, you know, paying attention to the podcast index process because it's kind of fascinating and i really like the idea and uh there was there's one dude who's pretty active on their their mastodon instance uh who does a podcast called grumpy old geeks yes and i i bristled a bit when i found out that there was another one that had stolen our theme well the the most except that except that he has a podcast that works with seo and you can spell it type it one you can spell it two that was the dick that when these the Amazon device and the Google device for the longest time, when I would say play grumpy old Ben's, it would go playing grumpy old geeks. And it's like, that is nothing like what I'm saying. But it, I mean, he probably got a million f- listens, you know, plays from me because I kept going play grumpy old Ben's. And the device was like, you want grumpy old geeks? <laughs> no. A million. Yeah, I'm, I'm exaggerating. A <laughs> I'm little not sure you know effect. when to quit. <laughs> I mean, okay, you're telling me you never exaggerate for effect. If so, I'm scared by half the things you've said. But I have never exaggerated anything. <laughs> I also don't lie. Let's see here. Total podcast now in the index of podcastindex.org. 
1.3 million, a little over that. Shows published in the last three days. So shows that have been updated, the number of podcasts updated in the last three days, about 55,000 in the last 10 days, 152,000. So that gives you, you know, if you're talking weekly shows or so, there is about, you know, 100 and maybe 100,000 shows that are active each and every week, which is less than I would have thought. I believe that. But it's a lot of shows. That is a lot of shows. It is a lot of shows. And, and it, it definitely is, it's a long way to hear from the days of there were only three channels. And if you wanted to watch something, you got one of those. And Harry Hamster says we need to hit the road. That has also been thought of. I mean, of course, we have a pandemic now. But if the show gets big enough, there's some really big I, podcasts that go y- up. You know, but for the lockdown, I was seriously looking into what would be involved in in catching the uh, um, the Zephyr Starlight Cascades down to California and then the Zephyr. Yeah. I mean, that would have been a podcaster's dream just to be on a train for a few days. I mean, as long as there's, you know, Internet connectivity, you could record shows. Uh, but I mean, I like that idea that when if we could get everybody that listens to grumpy old bens right now in the same place we would more than fill like the little bars around here because it's well over a thousand per episode now and we thank everybody for listening but it's finally getting to the point where you're like you know we might not be totally embarrassed if you know we were to do a live thing and you know even if 50 100 people show up that would be a fun Speak for yourself. That'd be pretty embarrassing. Well, okay. For you, you're always embarrassed. If you can't have the well, cat. And, and never underestimate my ability to embarrass everybody around me. Well, see, that is your superpower. And then that just deflects from everybody else. So um, we appreciate that. Um, but again, thanks, uh, Jamie, for the, uh, the donation. Next, a name we hear about once a month, Bernard Engelskircher, which I know I'm probably butchering your name. And uh, Another guy never sends a note, but seems to like the show. So we appreciate that, Bernard. Next on the list, uh, Brian Ganak, who I found on Facebook, which I know it's the evil Facebook, but he was posting in Larry's Facebook group. And I'm like, hey, we got now. I Now I get it. He's not a no agenda guy, I don't think. But he's a, he's a the, the Facebook in general is evil. And you have to be very careful when you go there. But the parts that contain experts are actually pretty OK. Yeah, Larry uh, posts some interesting stuff. I mean, there's always pointy chick Friday, and that's well worth it to begin with. But uh, Brian's over on Patreon, our Patreon, which is available at patreon.com slash grumpy old bends. Now, the next the next donation that came in, I thought this was genius in regards to my PayPal capture problem was from Paul. I'm going to butcher his name, too. I apologize, Paul Maskuich, M-A-S-C-I-U-C-H. Came in with five bucks and the comment just says, no capture for me, just testing PayPal using the gaming laptop. So if everybody could test their PayPal by sending us money and see if you get a capture or not and report it with the donation. um, Yes, we do need to collect this data. We will we'll start building a database of of who the PayPal is working for and who they're not. Yes. And and we also have to try it with uh, a number of different amounts. Oh, that's just to true. see if if that has an effect on whether or not you get the captcha. Yeah. So Paul's covered the five dollar amount. So then we want probably what like the fifty five hundred five thousand. Yeah. Is that- yeah. We we do need to check those. Yeah. So if somebody wants to get in on that, uh, make sure you just go over to our website grumpyoldbens dot com and uh, and test the system. It would be greatly appreciated. As was your support for the show, Paul. And next, uh, also from Patreon coming in. 
David Midas, who does that show with his daughter, the Fun Fact Friday, which runs on the No Agenda stream. And uh, his daughter's a better podcaster than he is already. And she's going to beat all of us. These kids are going to take our jobs when they, well, can. they grew up with it. Yeah, I know. You know, it just seems like no big deal. I remember I mean, when I grew up, I didn't have the opportunity to broadcast. It's not like we can all be Adam Curry. No. Well, that's true. You couldn't just come right out of the, you know, like what, 16 years old at the local radio station doing the uh, doing the pirate kind of thing. I mean, I had to have a little Radio Shack mixer at like 13, 14 years old, if I remember right, was about that age. And then playing music and running a cassette tape and talking into a microphone and basically playing DJ, which I get to do now before the no agenda shows for the rock and roll and before show. this show. Yeah. But I usually don't talk much before this show because I'm getting ready and mainly just playing music. But it's fun to go all, you know, Dr. Johnny Fever for a while. And, you know, I used to do it just sitting in my bedroom. To uh, to nobody in particular, and we, we we used used to be our only audience was the cat, right? And, and now I mean it is a and it was a very big day for the No Agenda Rock and Roll pre show and for No Agenda yesterday. I don't know if it was because of the time change. I mean that made sense why there were way more people tuned in to the pre show because they were like, "Where's the real show, dude?" I'm like, "No, another hour. We we move the clocks back. Yeah, we got another hour to rock." But there. Over 2000 people live for the no agenda show. Even the people in Europe who already made their their time zone change two weeks ago or a week ago, whenever it was uh, the, the the entire daylight saving thing is a total clusterfuck. And I'm glad that we didn't produce a full rant on it. But man, what you know, should uh, because the technically the time of our show just changed to an hour later. Right. Because. Uh, the U.S. system, the U.S. government decided to fuck with our time zone. And it is because I still get up at the same time. I mean, so instead of, uh, you know, getting up at seven in the morning now, it's six. It's like, well, I'm up. It's your body's set to that, you know, rhythm. You know, you got that rhythm going on and your body knows what time it should be getting up. And it's all based on things outside of your control. It's all built into our DNA, at least for most people, I think are the same way. Yeah. So it's like, tell me about your sexuality. You change the, uh, you change the times and your body's like, no, it's still time to get up. Well, no, the clock says something different. Nobody cares. The the best meme I saw was a, like a couple of dogs sitting next to each other. Like, you know, it feels like it should be eating time, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. and it's, you know, time change. And they're like, screw that. It's like, well, yeah, that's how we all feel. You you want to hear a, a disturbing secret that will probably not surprise you about, about Sir Bemrose? I, don't I didn't know. have to change the clock in my bedroom. Does it do it automatically? No, I just left it on winter time back in March. <laughs> That's the same thing. The clock next to me here on the desk, which is <laughs> built into a little like desk lamp. Cause I mean, I'm the, I, the computer tells me what time it is. If I want to know, I looked at it yeah. yesterday and I'm like, Oh wait, the time's right on that. I'm like, I must've never changed it from, uh, from the last oh, time. No, this is, this is a clock I use daily. It's, it's the main clock in the bedroom. I just spent, the last seven months mentally adding an hour or subtracting an hour, whatever mentally moving the time by an hour, just knowing that that clock was exactly 60 minutes off because I never changed it back in March. I mean, to be fair, lo and behold, it shows the correct time now. I mean, to be fair, you do have an advanced math degree, right? Yes, because that's what's necessary to add or subtract one from a number. I was going to say, otherwise, it was like adding one that difficult of a thing to do. (laughs) I don't know. 
but uh, I, I guess I mean, I mean, the, the the process I just described of adding one to a number is, in fact, more advanced than you get with your standard liberal arts degree. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be math. I mean, you could any engineering degree will do. But now that the time has actually changed now, are you kind of like screwed up because you do get up now thinking you have to change it by one and you don't? Honestly, I don't really pay attention anyway. So if you're- the, the thing that controls when I get up is mostly the cats and my bladder. Yeah. And those neither one of those. I have a Wi-Fi connection and neither one of those really care what time it is. Oh, my God. You just made me think of a Wi-Fi connected bladder. I don't even want to ponder. And yet I'm doing it. Why? Why, Darren? Because technology will take over like some kind, some kind of surgical implant. Be like, OK, now you can monitor your urine level from the app. Yeah, so that's good. Also, uh, make sure that you change the default password because you don't want any hackers <laughs> getting the controls with it. Yes, do not give bladder control up to the random hackers walking near you as you walk down the street. Now, that's something and, that you would actually spend the time and, war and driving make, a, for. make sure this thing has at least SHA-512 encryption. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, war driving is a whole new thing when you're just driving up and down the street trying to make people pee on command. Just saying, that sounds like something a lot of people in the grumpy Ben's audience other experts? might, you know, that sounds like something some of these experts might do. I'm looking at you, cold acid. That sounds like that would be a uh, that would be a side project that he might get involved in. But uh, we also have two more people that both of these coming in on Patreon, been around for quite a while. Jacob Hernandez and Steve E. We appreciate everybody that supports the grumpy old Ben's podcast in all sorts of different ways. I noticed I signed up for an account. Over on locals.com, which is what Scott Adams uses. And uh, nobody's uh, pen- paying money there because I don't know if it's even set up to do that, but a couple of people have joined the Grumpy Old Ben's group. So there's weird stuff that happens online. People find us where we don't even say we are, which I did, guess is did good. You ever, did you ever check out that supercast.tech site that I sent you? No. What did, I, when did you send me this? Uh, a few days ago. It was probably when you were blocking me. Oh, well, I do that like anytime we're not doing a show. I understand, which is which is why I have to bring it up on the show. Uh, no, I uh, at WATP, uh, Carl from WATP announced that he said, uh, you know, we, we recognize that some of you don't like Patreon because they're woke. And so here is an alternative and sent uh, to uh, I'll, I'll drop the link in the troll room. But um, Ooh, I, I nice. was looking at that and I, I kind of investigated. And of course, uh, I, I was thwarted with my investigation because it Java. requires javascript <laughs> you are so easily thwarted not not by real websites that rely on shit like uh html but anyway you know i like this it um, looks like yeah they do apple pay google pay they so if they're not woke that would be the main thing well i i feel like if they're taking on carl from who are these <laughs> podcasts then there is a limit to how woke they can be. Yeah. Or they just don't know what I, I his show's thought, about yet. I just thought it was, uh, it's supercast.tech. And I thought it, it was definitely worth just taking a look at uh, as, uh, is this a new payment platform? And uh, if it is a method by which people can send us money and uh, doesn't try to affect our politics, then it's probably worth looking into. Yes. And that is the thing we are looking at. And because even PayPal is not beyond blocking people. It's not I mean, besides giving me all of the uh, the captures. Their politics have been an issue. And this would be interesting to see, especially if the pricing is any different. 
Um, because it looks like here there's an all in one plan on the uh, the supercast, which is fifty nine cents per member per month. So if that is no matter how much they're uh, giving in, that is probably a little cheaper than PayPal. So it'll be interesting. I'll take a look at this. I'm most interested by whoever is behind this, but that is uh, research to do. Not while we're doing yes. the show. No, we're not doing the research right now. This is called me introducing you to the topic at a time that's probably inappropriate. But if I didn't do it here, I would forget. And it would be five months before I ever brought it up. Yeah. So that works. That definitely works. There's any which way. This is where this is all. And Adam Curry keeps hinting at this is being something. I mean, if he is getting. Yeah, he keeps hinting that there's going to be another way to monetize, but he hasn't come out with it yet. So, yes, I don't I think like it's, we, yeah, it's not right? set. Well, what, whatever, whatever it is, it sounds awesome and I'd love to get in on it. But meanwhile, let's, you know, keep exploring options. Well, I've also noticed they have a big enough audience for no agenda that the thing that is now been turned on is the fans, the producers, the listeners, whatever people call the people that listen to their show, experts in our case, are able to do the the uh, transcript. And it's it's interesting stuff and to do annotations and stuff like that, you know, much like I think YouTube and the other some of these video sites let you do that, which, you know, at, at a certain timestamp, you can add, you know, a note or something to it. It looks like these, you know, the podcast things are becoming much more interactive, I, which is good. I think um, I, I did see uh, via podcast index. I saw that the latest no agenda shows have transcripts. Have you I, I'm I'm unclear. How are they getting those? No, uh, I'm sure Adam's not doing it, but I thought they were using some kind of AI service. Yeah, the one I showed you, that's what Adam said they were going to okay. use. I don't know if he's running it through them because this is something I mean, I guess the great that thing is a is, lot of show. Yes, it's a lot of show to to go through. And more or less, the biggest thing would be to go through and uh, make sure all of the transcription is correct. That would be the toughest thing, I guess. Because they're not perfect. AI isn't perfect and they don't know when they make a mistake. You know, there's no way for them. to. I mean, knowing Adam, I, I would not assume that he's even bothering to go through and make sure everything's correct. It's probably just a best effort because the but the transcripts aren't actually baked into the MP3. It's a separate file alongside. Correct is yeah. how this thing works. So you could still post your show immediately after as no agenda does, as we do. And then let the magic of the transcriptions yes. happen. And, and and crowdsourcing the transcripts is is one of the dreams that Adam has had on on his podcast 2.0 podcast, where he talks about I what I need is a podcast player where people can use it to play along and then correct the transcript while they go. Yes. Which is a very cool idea. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know what percentage of people would do that, but no agenda has a large enough audience that there is a good chance that somebody will. And even if it's just getting it 95% right, that makes it a ton more search engine accessible than having no transcript at all. Yes, I, I, that I agree because, uh, you know, when I want to know what we talked about on this show, I have to go, uh, you know, I go back and I grab my notes which works great because they're all text, but that only gets my half of it. And so if, 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 if I remember, Oh, we talked about this VPN, but I didn't have them in, in my notes. Cause it was your story. Then I'm like, I pretty sure we talked about it, but I can't be bothered to go listen to our old shows. Yeah. Just so I can mention a show and get it off my list for today. The hack we talked about where they were stealing voter information, the Iranian group, 
They were using yeah. NordVPN, amongst other things. So, see, vo- that's actually a big plus for NordVPN, I think, <laughs> because if the if yeah, the, if, if it can if it can protect something like that, yeah, that is uh, that is fairly interesting. Then, then it can protect all of your legitimate piracy. Yes, and it does. I mean, allegedly, allegedly. Uh huh. Uh huh. No, no doubt about it. But uh, you know, with that said, election tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, I, I only I only illegally download things that are, are out of copyright, which means they're at least five years old. Of course. So for, well, for you, that's your own personal copyright system with the election tomorrow. Things could all change. They could all be kitty wumpus by Friday when the next grumpy old Benz rolls around. Uh, I, I'm not going to bet yes. on, on who's going to be president, except I think it's going to be an orange man. Uh, I think it's going to be a big win, but I don't think it's going to be official by friday i don't i don't feel like our system which normally within just hours of no. election time is certified i don't think that's happening this time around no matter who I, wins it, it, well no I, I mean if if you look uh carefully the the number of lawsuits already filed against election a- agencies in the u.s there's there's been at least 300 separate lawsuits filed against various state and local election agencies uh mostly by democrats by the way um pretty much proves my original assertion that uh the democrats know that biden doesn't have a chance in a fair election but if they can delay and screw up and throw doubt on the election for long enough then eventually we don't have a result it goes to the house and the house can appoint biden which I think is the only strategy they've got left. And then Biden drops dead. Well, I mean, and then it'll be President Harris with with Hillary as VP. Yes. Now, this is one thing. I mean, there's a lot of talk about getting and, rid and of by drops dead. I mean, I mean, he mysteriously, you know, takes two self-inflicted bullets to the head or or, you know, drowns in a hot tub when he doesn't own one. Or all of a sudden, uh, Kamala is the one with the evidence to put him in jail for his wrongdoings. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> there are. There is no honor amongst thieves or i don't think jail is good enough because i know that even in his demented state he probably knows enough to crucify many many high level people in his own party he has to he's been there for 50 years yeah but do you believe him anymore because when he's talking it's kind of like you know what if it's incriminating and and politically smears somebody we believe everybody in this country and i tell you hillary clinton killed of living living him maybe what and and maybe they just take him off of the drug the dementia causing drugs that they've been putting him on i don't know oh oh wait wow dude you just blew my mind because i was thinking that he was on dementia drugs to you know to control the dementia but what if they gave him drugs to give yeah, him? It to- might be the same thing they gave back, gave to George H.W. Bush back in the day. I don't know. Damn, man, that's dark. That's deep. And we'll have to look further into this on an oh, upcoming edition of Grumpy Old Ben's. But everybody, if you haven't voted yet, do so. I mean, even if you're in Canada, if you're in Australia, it's OK. You can mail in your votes. It's the United States new way. You don't even have to be a citizen. And if you are. You can vote like 18 times. I think that's uh, it's like one of these things where, you know, when you're trying to win a poll or something and they're like, hey, you're it's the, you know, dancing with the <laughs> Bill O'Reilly always says uh, when he's dissing the primetime television lately 
he calls Dancing with the Stars Dancing with the Psychopaths, which I think is just <laughs> it's a show I would watch. I'm like, OK, now, if you change it to Dancing with the Psychopaths, I'd watch. But you have these things where you can vote. and They're like, hey, you can only vote 30 times. It's like, well, that's kind of how voting should be in the United States, shouldn't it? You can vote 30 times. We'll see what happens. Maybe we'll be here. Maybe we'll be deplatformed by Friday in a by a new Biden Harris administration. We don't know, but we'll find out until next time. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we believe in America and freedom. And from America's left coast, where we're doing the last podcast before the end of the world. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Don't eat me, Bo Jiden. Don't eat me. Thank you.